Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. I want you to know when we get, before we get started tonight that uh, I'm a resource person. I love good resources. I love um, good books. And I love to use good material for uh, study. I think anyone's study is about as good as its material that's been used. And so I want you to know tonight that much of my study material tonight comes from the movie, The Prince of Egypt. (laughs) Say amen if y'all know where I'm going, all right? Did you see The Prince of Egypt? Okay, good. Okay, I'll let you use my copy then, okay, all right. And, uh, okay, again, did you see the movie Prince of Egypt? Okay, good, then, look, if you saw the movie Prince of Egypt, I, I mean, really, I'm not really into, like, all these, like, movies from Hollyweird, because they, they always, especially, like, the biblical ones, quote-unquote, the Bible movies, they're generally really bad and really unbiblical. And, um, but the Prince of Egypt, I got to tell you something, if you really want to understand the Exodus story and you really want to learn something about the Exodus story, I'm really not kidding you. It's not a joke. Get the movie The Prince of Egypt and because it's really good. And I remember seeing it some time ago and I was studying today and I thought, you know, I have just got to drop what I'm doing. This is like this morning at like 930. And I said, I got to drop what I'm doing and go to Blockbuster and get this movie. I really did. I stopped what I was doing, and I went to Blockbuster, and I got The Prince of Egypt. And um, I went in and told the lady, I said, I'd like to rent The Prince of Egypt. And and she was real talkative and everything, and I told her, you know, got talking about what I did for a living. I said, well, I'm I'm a pastor, and I said, I'm renting The Prince of Egypt because I want to get some good Bible theology from it tonight. (laughs) And she she looked at me like I had six heads. (laughs) She said, what? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, really, and uh, I was kind of tripping her out, you know what I mean, because it's kind of trippy. But I, I really mean this, and I really do mean this. It really is. I mean, there are some small, minor variations that you will see in the movie that you'll go, well, that's just not biblical, and, and that's not in the Bible. And some of it is kind of embellished to kind of give you the flavor, to give you the story. But really, honestly, it really is a movie that I believe is very, very close to um, what the Bible story is about here in the book of Exodus. So you might want to pick that up. Now, if you weren't with us last week. Um, And if you were with us, you know that, and I told you this, give me your attention. I told you that the book of Exodus begins where Genesis ends with the children of Israel in Egypt at Joseph's invitation. If you were here, you know, this all the sons of Israel 
came to Egypt with their families, counting Joseph. There were 70 people altogether. And the years passed, and Joseph and his brothers died, but the Israelites, the Bible says, they continued to grow. And while in Egypt, they became fruitful. Remember we talked about this? And they increased, and they multiplied, and they grew exceedingly mighty, the Bible says, and the land was filled with Israelites. And so, Israel is in Egypt, and they are growing in numbers. And Pharaoh says, we got to do something. He says, we've got to do something. He says, we've got to uh, implement something. We've got to do something about their growth. And so what he does is he implements three deadly strategies. Were you with us? Strategy number one, if you weren't, write it down. Strategy number one, he, he, he implements full forced slavery. We'll find that in chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, we talked about last week. And uh, full force slavery, as they set taskmasters over them and made them serve with rigor and hard bondage. And instead of a life of prosperity and peace, the whole nation of Israelites became slaves. And they were made to build the supply cities of Pythium and Ramses, you know that. And then in verse 12 of chapter 1, remember we talked about the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And remember, we talked about growth comes from affliction. Growth comes from affliction. The more you persecute a person, the more you persecute a Christian, according to the biblical principle, this is a principle of God. The more you persecute a Christian, the more you persecute a church, it won't hurt them it will only make them stronger. And we talked about that last week. And the more you persecute a person, the more you afflict a person, know what else happens? It causes greater holiness in your life. Greater holiness in your life. That's true. How many times do we go through things and all of a sudden we become prayer warriors? It's true. And by the way, talking about prayer, last Sunday or Saturday, pardon me, I was at... Uh, in Ohio, officiating a funeral and uh, out of town. And we had our first prayer meeting here at Calvary Chapel for this year. We had our first prayer meeting and uh, all church prayer meeting. And, uh, and I'm told that like 45 people came out to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 45 people, that's good. And I hope that continues. Because I got to tell you as a pastor, sometimes it kind of drops off. Hopefully that won't happen. Well, 45 people came out to pray. You know, you get a prayer life when there's affliction in your life. It was David who said in Psalm 119.67, he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Three deadly strategies. Number one, full force slavery the Pharaoh came up with. And when that didn't work, the second strategy was full term abortion. Verse 15 through 21 of chapter 1, when Pharaoh saw that the labors and the affliction wasn't working, he decided to cut down the birth rate. And he told the midwives, when the Hebrew women delivered their babies, I want you to snap their necks, remember? And Pua and Sifra feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, and they saved the children. And Pharaoh was furious, and the people multiplied, and they became mighty. The third strategy full-blown genocide, not only full forced slavery and full-term abortion, but full-blown genocide. We find that in chapter 1, verse 22, as Pharaoh was determined to stop the growth of the Hebrews. And so he told them 
He told all the people that everyone who is male that is born is to be cast into the river and every daughter you shall allow to live. So it was at that time in verse 22 that there were hundreds, maybe even get this, thousands of Hebrew boys that died in the Nile River. But God had a plan for one of them who was to become the deliverer of God's people. That's where we pick up in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. And a man of the house of Levi, in verse 1, he went and he took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and she bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, notice she hid him for how many months, saints? Three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister, in verse 4, stood afar off, to know what would be done to him. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 1 describes Moses' parents. We aren't given the names here in chapter 2, but if you're taking notes, in chapter 6, verse 20, we learn their names. Moses' parents' name. His father's name was Amram, and his mother's name was Jochebed. Jacobid and Amram. Amram, if you're taking notes, means exalted people. Jacobid means honor of Jehovah. Moses' parents, we find out. Moses also had two older siblings. Miriam, who was probably, when Moses was born, she was probably eight to ten years old. And Aaron was her brother. Exodus chapter 7, verse 7 Aaron would have been around three years old when Moses was born, which makes Moses the annoying younger brother. Aaron was about three years older than Moses. This family, obviously, because remember Jewish people, when they had children, they would name their children based on some event or some circumstance that was going on in their family. That's how we learn a lot of history about Jewish people or about a particular family. We can learn right away just from the names in this family that this was a godly family and their names reflect that. Now you want to stay with the context. Give me your attention here. You want to stay with the context because where we are in context is in the midst of weeping, in the midst of wailing among families. Soldiers are casting hundreds of little boys into the crocodile-infested waters of the Nile River where babies would drown and they would be eaten. That's the backdrop here. Now, Jochebed, Moses' mother, she has a beautiful son, and she hid him for three months. Jochebed apparently knew that there was something special about Moses. that There was like an aura about him. I mean, she thought, you know, my, my Mo is exceptional and extraordinary. You know, someone once said, no mother ever had an ugly baby. And, and, and all mothers believe and think that their babies are exceptional and extraordinary. Say amen, moms. Y- y'all do. 
Dads do too. And, and Jochebed was no different. I mean, Moses was no different. And his family knew that he was different. He had an aura. He was special. So Jochebed takes Moses and she hides him. Did you notice that? For three months. She hid him for three months. Now, I don't know how she did that. I mean, I have no idea because you can't keep a baby quiet for three hours. You can't keep a baby quiet for three minutes. I remember when we uh, brought Rodney home from the hospital, Rodney Jr. I should have told you I was going to say this. And uh, we brought Roddy Jr. home from the hospital, and I thought I would never sleep again. <laughs> never sleep again. And he always wanted to eat, which nothing has changed. They still want to eat. But I don't know how you keep a baby quiet for three months, but she hid him for three months, and no doubt they lived in a slave's quarter. They were slaves, remember that. And, and they lived in a slave's quarter where mud and brick apartments stood atop of each other. And so Amram and Jochebed couldn't keep Moses quiet and hidden because he was growing, because he was becoming active and something had to be done and so, or else he would have been killed. So Moses' mother, she got a plan. She took some bulrushes or paprias with asphalt and pitch and she made it buoyant and waterproof. And no doubt, she put some hay or some soft cloth inside of it. And then she took her baby cargo and she laid it in the basket in the Nile. Can you imagine just for a second? I'm watching the Prince of Egypt today. And it occurred to me, I kid you not, I've seen the movie before, but as you know, the mom, Jacobid, was placing the basket in the water. The camera kind of, um, I'm telling you, they, they're going to need to give me like some kickback from this movie because I'm, I'm really promoting it here. And, uh, but but she, put the, she put the basket, it was like a really, really touching scene. She's like singing this song about Moses dreaming about her because she's sending him down the river, the Nile River. And she puts the basket in the Nile and... And the camera zooms in on her hands as she kind of lets the basket go and the basket goes and her hands go away. And, and it occurred to me, can you imagine what she as a mother, see, when you read the Bible, it's nice to just take a minute, slow down and think about the story. Can you imagine, I mean, she, the, the, the faith that it took to put the baby in a basket and allow it to go downstream? The faith that it took to do that. I mean, you know, some people, I know parents who don't have faith to put their children in nursery. Don't say amen. And the faith that it took this woman to prepare this basket, because she loved her son. And not only did she love her son, but she knew that there was something special about him. And by faith, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, and also Acts chapter 7, you want to read those two chapters to get a real full picture of, of Moses and his life. But by faith, she put him in that basket, believing that God was going to use him and God was going to do a work. And, 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 and so she, she, she put him in the basket and watched him go downstream. And I don't think as she was watching him go downstream and, and sending the baby down the stream, I don't think she was saying, case Sarah, Sarah, what whatever will be, will be. I don't think so. I think she probably was praying. And she probably said, Jehovah Yahweh, please protect my boy. 
And Jochebed sent Miriam, his sister, to see what would happen to her little brother. Parents, listen, don't miss this. Jochebed made her plans and said her prayers. Parents, listen. Jochebed made her plans and said her prayers. She trusted the Lord with her little boy. And you know, parents, I have learned this in my 20 some odd years of being married and and being a parent. I can tell you, especially with teens, especially with teens, you, you, you know, as they're coming into adulthood, you know, when they get to be a certain age, you got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. You know, we do quite a bit of family counseling here. And, you know, there comes an age, parents, you know this, when they get to that age where you just got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. Because they're just not hearing you. And you, you love them and you, 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 you trust God and you love them and you, you're just like, yeah, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. That's what Jochebed did. She said her prayers and she sent him downstream. Now, here's something to think about. Here's something to think about. Because someone just brought this up to me about, uh, about a week ago, actually. People have said, and perhaps you've heard people say, people have said, you know, there's so much evil in the world I don't want to bring children into an evil world. Have you ever heard that? Has anybody ever heard that? I've heard that. Yeah, many of us have. People say, I don't want to have any kids because this world is so evil. This world is so bad. I don't want to have any kids. Listen, Moses was born in a very dark, dangerous, murderous environment. When Moses opened his eyes, he opened them to an unfriendly world. Ever since the days of Noah, the world has been unfriendly. Noah had three sons and the Bible says it was at that time that men's hearts were continually evil. So would to God, I, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that to tell you the truth. That I don't want to bring children into the world because the world is evil. The world has always been evil. Every generation thinks they're living in the most evil times. We all think we're going, oh, it's so evil, it's so evil. Yeah, it is evil and it continues to get evil, but it always has been evil. The Bible says from the days of Noah, men's hearts were continually evil. They never stopped being evil. So should we bring children into a world that is evil? I say absolutely. If God says, if God ordains, if God allows you to have children, you bring children into a world that is evil. And perhaps you as a parent would raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Who knows what God is going to do through your child? You know, it's all how you think about it. It's all how you think about it. The world's always been evil. May we as parents, may we as Christian parents and, 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 and bring our children up in, in a home where, where it's loving. The world's always been evil. Moses was born in a very bleak and very dark time. And the Bible says that Jochebed, she knew God had a plan for him. And so she bought him in the world anyway. And then she trusted the Lord and said her prayers. And then she hit him for three months and, and did what God called her to do. Now look at verse 5. Then the daughter of Pharaoh, in verse 5, came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, 
the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, that's Miriam. She said, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother, Jochebed. And then Pharaoh's God thing, God thing, I'll tell you in a minute. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her in verse nine, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and she nursed him and the child grew in verse 10 and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name, what saints? Moses saying, what? Because I drew him out of the water. So give me your attention. The story, the plot thickens. The daughter of Pharaoh. She comes down to the river to take a bath. Egypt is hot and humid. She probably needed a bath. <laughs> Amen. Baths are good. And so God sends her, God, see, she needs a bath. But God sends her down to the river at that spot at that time. You see that? Now, get this. Remember last week, if you were with us, many scholars, remember we talked about uh, Egypt, Egyptian history. And many, many, last week we talked about, if you were missed it, you can pick up a CD. But, but many scholars believe, get this, that the daughter of Pharaoh was that woman I told you last week. Her name is Hachitsut. Remember? Hachitsu. Many believe that that was a daughter of Pharaoh. Hachitsu, remember I told you, was the wife of Thutmose II. And some believe she was barren and spent time at the river praying to the God of the Nile. Either way, we can see the providence of God guiding her pagan footsteps to the river at the right time when she saw the ark. Amen, saints? We can see God's hand. So she sent her maid to get the basket as she saw it. And when she opened it, she saw the child Moses began to cry and she had compassion on him, even though she knew he was Hebrew. One Bible scholar suggested, listen, right before she opened the lid, he suggested right before she opened the lid, an angel pinched Moses so that he would cry and tears would run down her face, his face and her heart was moved with compassion. Isn't that interesting? He was crying. Her heart, you know, and here's something else. God, you know, God moves supernaturally natural. It's very natural for a woman to have a soft and compassionate heart for a baby, for a crying baby. And it's very likely that an angel pinched Moses or stuck him with a pin or something. And she opens it up and she sees him and she goes, oh, the little baby and tears running down his eyes. You know, by the way, who was the greatest female financier in the Bible? Anybody know? Answer, Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little prophet. Sorry. Sorry. So when she realized... That the baby was Hebrew. Did, did you get that? I, I found that to be interesting. When she realized that the baby was Hebrew, Moses' sister said, do you want me to go and call one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child? 
Why? Well, listen at this. A Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, if you've been around here, you know his name. He says this. Pharaoh's daughter tried to nurse Moses amongst the Egyptian women, but he continued, Moses continued to turn his face away and he wouldn't nurse. And that's when Miriam said, do you want me to get a nurse from among the Hebrew women? Because Moses wouldn't nurse amongst the Egyptian women. And so Pharaoh's daughter said, go. And she, Miriam, went and she got his mother. And I am sure, listen, I am sure that Miriam, she goes home and, and she, I'm, she had to be excited. I mean, she had to be excited. She goes home, she runs in the house, she says, Mom, Mom, are you sitting down? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.